Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sunday Sessions. I am Ronnie Big Bang Nicole, here with the majestic Michael Sorg of Sorgatron Media. Thank you for joining us for episode three of Sunday Sessions. Guys, we only have one more episode, and I promise the last one's going to be a banger. So make sure you join us live on February 28th, and it's going to be a really big surprise. Don't dishonor yourself and miss out. I'm really, really excited, speaking of honor, to be here with my two amazing guests, uh, very good friend, my vet, the savior of professional wrestling, the Rev Ron Hunt, and my darling, beautiful, Angelique Papea, the mother of light. Uh Uh-oh, yes, brought the light with her. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you guys are here because today we are discussing the climb. As you guys know by now, Sunday sessions are is delving into those insightful and somewhat controversial conversations that we haven't had and been told not to have, but are definitely pivotal for the time that we're in right now. So the climb is um, the proverbial success, the ladder to the top whatever success may be for you. So we're going to get into the climb. It's going to be in three parts. And as always, we're going to discuss how vastly different that is for wrestlers of color versus our other colleagues. And our I'm really excited about this because our Black history wrestling historical figure for this session is going to be none other than Woodrow Wilson Woolwine Strode. Say that 15 times fast, okay? Woolwine <laughs> so it's gonna be i'm really excited because he is actually the first indigenous and african-american wrestler that we're gonna feature so i really want to give a voice and a big shout out to all of our indigenous brothers and sisters who also are fighting for the same recognition as we are and who have had a history in wrestling just as long as black wrestlers so i'm really excited to talk to him talk about him with you guys so we're gonna start with the climb, started at the bottom, now we're here, wherever that may be. Um, and I want to kind of touch on the beginning. So I call this part bottom rung lies. The things that we weren't necessarily aware of when we started this journey, you know, as we're starting that, that long crystal stair to the top, so to speak. The things that we think and the things that are actually occurring. Um, I'm I'm gonna have to go age before beauty this time, Mother of Light, and we're gonna start with you, Rev, and you especially being signed yeah, the Ring of Honor, C C O O, is that it? Of Shane yep, Taylor, you have all the all the labels and all the places. right, all the labels, things C-O-O. and stuff. America's uh, best uh, newsman, uh, all all the just you're brimming with black boy joy. <laughs> everything <laughs> but sleeping, Ronnie. Everything but sleeping. Right. Brimming, but not sleeping. So for you, being a veteran and having, you know, have gone a long way through a lot of things, what were your bottom rung lies when you started out? What did you think? And how did that really open up for you? Yeah, well, well, first of all, Ronnie, thank you for, you know, just giving us opportunity for, you know, for these sessions, especially around this time. And I think this is definitely something that's very crucial and hopefully very healing for a lot of people that might have not felt like they had a voice. And and uh, so, you know, just starting off, I think with me, you know, starting back in 2011, 
uh, August 2011 is when I started. I was down in uh, Florida with off of the Wild Simone with the Wild Simone uh, Pro Wrestling Training Center. And, um, you know, it was one of those things I think universally around that time was um, respect, respect, respect for the business. And I still believe that today, you know, respect, respect, respect. Uh, but I think, you know, especially in that time, even years way before I got started, um, it was one of those things where respect and getting and getting the respect beaten to you just at the training level kind of went hand in hand. And, you know, getting into it, you didn't think that it wasn't normal. You know, you thought this is what had to be done. If I break a couple of ribs in training and it purposely it's part of the business. Right. Uh, well, better take those you, ribs up and keep Yeah, you know, I'll just t- you know, take them up, you know, rub some dirt in it and get back in, you know. <laughs> you know. So so I, I think that was that was one of the main things. And, and granted, you know, we weren't at that point. You know, I was, I was very fortunate to um, be, you know, brought up around a family that was very respected in that business. And that wasn't really the case. But I think the mindset of, you know, just even like a normal man to where it's like, suck it up, deal with it. How do you overcome it? And how do you pursue it? And And I think, you know, that lifestyle as a man kind of went hand in hand when it came into the wrestling business. So um, I think that was one of the things when even going from there and, and looking at other camps when I had the opportunity to, you know, go to other companies and everything. And, and at certain times I had extra time to see how they are training. It was all in that mindset of this is how we do it. If you don't respect it, if you don't respect it, you're going to get the crap beat out of you. You're going right. to get out. If you can't deal with it, get the F out. You know, yeah. And so, so I, I think you know, with a lot of people um, that grew up within about that that ten to you know ten to six, ten to five years, it started to kind of progress around about 2015, where we slowly started to see things kind of ease out a little bit more consistently. But I think around you know 2015 at the latest, to all the way back, um, especially all the way back, you were yeah. to the thing that it was the mindset of. This is how you start in this business. If you don't like it, get out and find another job. And and I I think around that time, a lot of people dealt with a lot of hard stuff that they just felt like I got to swallow this up because if I say something about it, I'm perceived as weak. Um, If you're black, you're perceived as a problem child and you're weak. You know, yeah, it was, was I mean, you you can say it was a lot of problems to where, um, in general, you will be perceived as one way, but if you're black, you're one way and this and this and this. A whole lot more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then a whole lot more. and then some. And some extra stuff that, you know, has nothing to do with it, but so Angelique, <sighs> how how was that all? Oh, your face. Tell me <laughs> what was that the because you're Okay, oh, I can't hear you. What's going on? I'm sorry, babe. You said you're two years, right? Uh, I'm technically I, I'm four years. In. Okay, so that's so including the time I started training. How um, was your journey? You know, what were those things at the beginning that you know, like Rev said, you may have come in with or thought about, but realized the differences, especially as a woman of color, and especially as a unique woman of color because you know they don't love that 
um i could definitely agree with like certain things that um that um he was saying um but i feel like uh by the time that can you still see me because it's just one black yes you're good okay awesome okay um because i started training uh around 2016 so that's when like in a sense like wrestling was slowly changing and um you know there was um the the people were starting to do the whole new school thing and that the old school you know the old school rules even though they were kind of still there um so i could totally relate to certain things that he's saying how uh, that he's saying um and this is kind of for a person that, you know, my trainer is an African-American man. Um, but when I, like, came in to train, um, you know, I didn't know exactly what I was expecting. But I, I made it clear that I'm here to be a, a wrestler. Um, and, you know, that's it. And, you know, they were just trying to, I guess, they, I, I'm assuming every female wrestler goes through this when they start you know they start trying to scare you and be like oh you're gonna break into <laughs> pieces and stuff and I was just like wait what in. break into pieces what yeah like you know like the whole like bumping and stuff like that like they try to put that fear on you and I'm just like what, what is it happening I'm sorry I, I'm gonna let you finish I'm sorry I just Kanye'd you I want to know about this <laughs> because I ain't nobody say nothing to me Okay, like well, nobody was caring if my pieces were everywhere. What you? Just, what? I think it was more. I think. I think it was more like. Well, it wasn't like being like rude about. It. I think it was more so like joking, but like it's like you know when you're like the because I was like at my tryout, I was like the only girl, and like the first thing they see is okay, well, oh, a girl, she thinks she's gonna be a wrestler. Okay, let's see what she got. And like, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, I mean, I don't have nothing to prove. Like, I don't have like an athletic background um, because I am a goddess from Legendland and we don't have sports like that going on. So, um, you know, just give me what you want to give me and then I'll, de- I'll decide if I want to, you know, continue. You know, because it's like you're trying to like scare me, but, you know. I don't, I don't, I really didn't have like high expectation. It was like, okay, let's get in the ring. This is how training is going to be, you know, where, you know, guys, you know, who have sports, you know, have like sometimes come in with this huge ego. Well, you know, I did this and I did that. And I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just here. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm just here. Um, but like you know the whole like uh you know the respect thing and and um you know keeping quiet and stuff like that i don't know if it's like the the black women inside of me but you know you start to like like when you first start training you like like when you start training you get all excited and stuff like that but when you get like thrown out there you started to notice notice um certain things and that kind of raise your makes you raise your eyebrow a little bit and so you what know, did you start to notice 
what did you start to see after you had been doing it for a little while? Like what, especially as a woman of color coming with such a unique personality and a unique view of wrestling, um, what did you see starting out that made you, that was the eyebrow raise, you know, that was the side eye? Oh, yeah, you definitely have to, as a Black woman, you definitely do have to work harder at everything, um, for sure. And even if you do that, you just might not get rewarded anyway. Because <laughs> they don't, because they can, you can do all that stuff and they still will not choose, will not, like, want to kick you or anything. Like, yeah. when I was training, you know, I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to, be booked. I'm gonna wrestle all over the world, and and you know it, it really didn't. It really didn't work that way. And I also started to notice that um, I, I guess there's just like certain rules in wrestling when it comes to like, well, rules. it's rules like rules. you know. <laughs> how, how how can I kind of sum this? Um, I could definitely sum it with this this conversation um, with my trainer, which you know I love. I do love. Don't get me wrong, but I accept the fact that our experience are are, are going to be different. Um, like I I like I would use like NBA and you know basketball and football. You know, yes, the owners are. Or, you know, there's racism there. But at the end of the day, they know that they can't make their money without black guys. So right. if a promoter is racist and he thinks that um, black people are like the worst at the end of the tunnel, he knows that if he wants to make actual money, he can't just have a show with just you can't just have a show with just, you know, white people in there. And it's the same thing where, you know, some promotions, you know, they have, you know, people of color on there. And, you know, sometimes how the, you know, the LGBT community there, when they have like huge, no, like their intentions is to make more money. But at the same time, they don't care for like certain, um, that certain individual of that group. And with me having been so unique for I am a goddess from Legend Land, um, I decided um, that I'm sorry, I'm kind of nervous, so I might be all over the place. You're fine, um, it, was, it was speak, hard. Speak your mind, sis. It was hard. It was really, really hard. And I think what really hurts the most about the whole entire thing is that my, my fellow black male wrestlers they really, they, you know, sometimes they just can't understand. And they be like, I understand, but no, no, you can't. There's been times that I've been in situations where I will go out my way to shows to help with setup because I, I just want experience, like, please. Because my, my fellow, mind you, I am the first female trainee at DFW Opera Wrestling, like the first female trainee. And there were girls of different race that were getting bookings like left and right and left and right. And I was like struggling and I was just like, wow, can, can someone help me? And I would like use like my own money to go to shows and to help set out, 
set up and like hope to be on the shows. And I've been in situations where I started to realize they just wanted to use me for setup. I've been in situations when they had me where wrestlers have called in and I was like, well, I have my gear. You know who my trainer is. You know who I'm trained by. I'm ready. And they had me call someone else to come to the show. And it it really, it really, it, it really, really sucks. And then you have people telling you, well, your your gimmick is your gimmick. Number one, it's not a gimmick. Okay, this is all real here. Let's make that clear. But um like your gimmick is cool, but you know, I kinda use your kind as heel against another white girl, you know, and to be oh, like isn't that how it's all that <laughs> to be like <laughs> to be told that it's it, it really it really sucks. And then I remember I had this like discussion with my trainer and I remember he asked me this question and you know and like me and him would like kind of go back and forth with that because it was to the point that like I just felt like at the end of the day he can he would never be able to relate to me because you know he's different experience you know you know know, the privilege privilege is very different he's a he's an African-American man he would do a racism but he has that privilege where, you know, hey, we need a guy. Okay, we're going to pick you. Oh, we need girls. Okay, well, sometimes it's the promoter is attracted to a certain girl and you just might not fit what he finds attractive. But I remember he told me when you're in, he told me, he asked me this question and he was like, when you're in that ring, how can people relate to you? Like, how can they relate to you? And I and we had these conversations so many times before then to the point that I got exhausted. Um, and I wanted to answer, but I always tried to be respectful, you know. And I didn't want to be disrespectful towards him. And and and, and it was constant. Um, and that doesn't mean that my trainer is a bad person. It's like he doesn't he won't understand my experience. Right. Um, but if I was going to answer, uh, I would have been like, they can only relate to what the media tells them, what I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be this, I'm supposed to be that, you know, um, I'm supposed to be all these things, and that's not what I am. Um, I, you know, I have been told that I don't come off aggressive, but I don't come off as an aggressive way that they want me to, but it's just like, you mean the angry black woman that the angry black woman and i was right oh but you guys only want like the anger and the attitude when you want me to heal up that's so like what it's convenient for you and it's comfortable for you but any other time just go on and and water that all the way down is that okay yes exactly yeah and then and and each to their own each to their own and like my trainer is amazing. He is. He is the, the measuristic of professional wrestling. Lou Gotti. He's a boss. He has a certain energy that he has. I can't be who he is. I can't, right. have, I can't be that kind of boss. And I but think I can that- be my boss in my white dress, with my white, with my blue hair, and, 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 and be whatever I want to be. 
I think also your trainer, like a lot of our trainers, come from what Ron was referencing earlier, the early generation. And so, um, Ron, I think you and I are actually of the same because I started like 11, 12. Yep. So I was right in the thick of that. Yeah. Um, oh, good to see yeah. That. And, and you were before me. Too, <laughs> even more. I mean, so a lot of trainers from the earlier period had definitely an experience of more of a Wild West sort of atmosphere that truly mimicked our society in the sense of how wrestling and race were intertwined. So, and misogyny and the patriarchy, but we won't go into all that, you know, <laughs> but it was definitely more accepted and not spoken about. And I don't know about y'all, but Chili told me about how he got hired and it was because he beat a guy's ass and Paul Heyman saw him. So he literally got hired because of violence. Yep. So all like all of my trainers were like that. And again, just like you're saying, it's not disrespecting them because they are, at least in my opinion, my trainers are some of the best in the world. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I would not have been able to travel the world and have the experience that I had if I didn't have a good, strong foundation with these people. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I was trained by two white dudes and three black dudes dudes who walk around the locker room with their dicks out and you know think it's appropriate to touch women now I'm not saying that's what happened to me but like I'm seeing this as I'm training early on and I'm thinking you know I'm coming into the business okay I did make the mistake of watching the wrestler a few times that was probably not a good uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know so but I'm coming in thinking it's going to be something that was completely different and especially being the only female at my training school okay like in the south I was definitely in some situations where it was like you speak up and you might not leave this room and not that people were going to gang up and physically hurt me but the atmosphere of being one individual a woman in a room with 15 dudes older veterans younger guys giant dudes you know and stuff's going on in training that's like pushing the limits a bit physically people are like throwing up like messed up seriously people getting put in the corner and they're getting just overhand chopped to death yep the whole okay? line in a line by all of these dudes who were there would have and I'm gonna say what to who for when like no that type of stuff was so accepted back then because that's how you you build your grit that's how you you get tough kid and I'm like okay but for me getting tough didn't require my like my chest yeah I didn't require that to be caved inward for me to be strong outward that's just not how things work for me but at the same time I'm from a background of competitive activities you know what I mean so I would people are like oh marching man marching man's really hard okay I don't want to hear it you hey, listen, I, hey hey I played the sousaphone you know you sousaphone. I know what it is eight eight, getting yelled at in the heat your butt yep. crack sweating you can't take yep. a water break when you want one okay you yep. got to learn 85 pages of drill because they're trying to I close spots 
Because I got a mark. I got a Mark Stepper turn at a forty five degree angle and play a C right. Play. No, and play music, and you're sharing the big old man. Okay, and they're talking. I mean, I was in. I played flute, piccolo, and I was in color guard. So you're like. Oh. You want me to run around with this flag and toss this saber and throw a rifle and get for 45 to 45, and I'm literally 245 pounds? Okay, that's fine. I got how long? 16 counts? Okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah. March advance so easy, though. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I was of a background where I was used to being yelled at and pushed. You know what I mean? But when I got into wrestling, there was just such a vast difference in the expectedness of accepting stuff as respect and paying your dues and actual like borderline abuse. And I think for, especially as a black woman, the first time I spoke out, I was done, especially here in the South. It was a very small community and I was instantly marked problematic because I asked too many questions, Mm -hmm. but I've never been of the type to just not ask questions. <laughs> I can't. Oh, same here. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Hello. <laughs> oh, oh. You know. <laughs> honestly, like for me, you know, besides, you know, like, you know, the the pivot between, like, as you know, me as a a black female wrestler and like my trainer being, you know, a black male wrestler. Uh, here, all your experience. Uh, since my trainer pretty much trained like in between like when old school and then it was slowly becoming like kind of new school because I believe he he trained in two, two, um, 2000 or 1999 around that time um, you know there was you know I can definitely say that my trainer is, is very respectful when it comes to like training and stuff like that like he does do like old school training where like he's like pushing you and, and stuff like that and you know they even like when I had like my first tryout, they he even tried to make me throw up, and I didn't throw up. Uh, <laughs> but he also does like you know like like the new school like okay, you know this is you know like this is the old school way. Okay, then like this is like the new school way, and so um, kind of merging kind of that hybrid style from going. Yeah, and, like my trainer is is you know is very very talented to like uh, he will show us something in the ring. And he'd be like really, really quick and stuff. And he'd be like, any questions? And I'd just be like, oh, uh, yeah. Right. Slow that uh, down one you, more time. Can you Thanks. like slow it down, please? Because like he's like, okay, here, 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 here. And like later on, it would make sense. But when you're like a beginner, you're just like, uh, can you like slow it down about like times two? And he, he would do it. He definitely would. Um, so. Just want to like that, just put that out there. Yeah. So it's that, that climb. So as you're, you know, now that you've climbed kind of out of that beginning, show me again. And that initial shock of everything being vastly different and yeah. being able to start to pick out those nuances, especially as a black wrestler of what to say, what not to say, who is a safe space and who is not a safe space. So now we start to climb that ladder a bit more. And so we kind of get into what I like to call mid-card dreams. So this is, I guess, Angelique, this would be where you are right now. Um, Ron, Rev, please, when you got to that position where you had an understanding of how it worked and worked in the way of not kayfabe part but you as a black man understood we've all had the talk we all know 
But applying that to wrestling is kind of challenging in some ways, because like you were mentioning, speaking up about certain stuff that you would normally do outside of professional wrestling life could get you blacklisted or blackballed or moved off the card. So when you got to that level, that kind of mid-card dreams level, what were some of the things that you were able to overcome and kind of hopefully pave a new and a better way forward for with that experience that you had coming from the bottom and seeing, okay, I'm going to have to adjust real quick. Yeah, I, I think one of the things, and, and you know, we're, we're just going to keep it a, a straight shoot here, but I'm actually very fortunate for pro wrestling because, you know, there's there's real life and then there's pro wrestling. And I really feel like a lot of things, in my personal point of view, nothing makes you more prepared for real life as a black wrestler than pro wrestling. In right. real life, okay, I'm, I will have to work harder. We've all had that normal talk in real life at the dinner table with our parents or guardians or aunts or uncles or grandparents. You Sometimes you got to work two times as harder. But in pro wrestling, you got to work five times as harder because we know what the gimmick is. At the same time, someone can say, hey, yeah, I'm going to show you how I feel and deal with it. If you don't like it, you don't have to work for my company. You know, another time I can go to NAACP. Pro wrestling, ah, well, you know, this this black guy's angry because he can't oil up and put on tights and <laughs> fight her. You know, you, you, you. Right. So um I I think in a way, you know, once getting at that at that mid-card level and seeing how things worked, I had to fully get in my mindset, well, I know what I'm capable of doing. I know that if you give me the opportunity, give me one time to do me, do it, give me an adequate time to do it. I'm going to steal the show respectfully while still doing it in the artistry of, of, of how a show is stacked. No matter if you put me as the first match or not, and, I, and I'm the curtain jerker, or you put me as the main event, I'm still going to steal it regarding what you need to be done. And the crowd's going to be captivated, whether I'm a heel or a face. And, and I think at that time, that was kind of where my frustration was because, um, you know, clearly I'm a little bit sheltered under my training and you get your wheels underneath you and you're, you're working at your at your home company shows to help grow you. And when you break that mold and now they're teaching you, hey, you have to get out. You have to travel. You have to get some miles underneath you. And now all of a sudden you're watching this person that's main event. You're watching this person is pre-main. You're watching this person is getting the title run. And here you go paying your dues time and time again. And because you're not part of this good boy clique, uh, you find yeah. yourself in this rut saying, I know what I'm capable of doing. It's not just hype. I'm able to get constructive criticism, but I'm hearing these po- these simultaneous positive vibes from different states and different people. So you know what you're capable of doing, but somehow you can't just break the mold. And, right. and, and I, I think that was the most frustrating thing to deal with that I had to actually get it in my mindset. And I, I, I was just talking to my cousin yesterday. I said, you know, you are in control of your happiness. Don't let people try to determine your worth. And I think once I was able to get it in my mindset, I know what my worth is. It doesn't matter where I'm at. My worth is going to stay the same. It's not because so-and-so has me here or so-and-so has me there. My worth is going to stay the same regardless. You're stupid if you don't see it. And, and so, so I had to get to a point that I said, I'm going to go out there. 
I'm not going to let the promoter, I'm not going to let the booker, I'm not going to let, you know, the, the other person that says, ah, you know, I'm not quite feeling right tonight. I don't want to do that. But yet you can do that and more with this person that don't look like right. You right. know what I'm saying? Flip all, flip all over the ring. Yeah, I mean, oh, brother, I got a bad shoulder, you know? Right. <laughs> so so I, I think once I got into the mindset of I'm in control of my destiny, I'm in control of, 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 of how this is dictated, and at the end of the day, the most non-biased people are the fans. You know right. And so I think when I looked in the mindset of the, the true art of this, and even now still today, I believe it is, listen, you know, the, the booker brings you in and everything, but your job is not to pop the boys and the girls. Your job is to give it to these hard paying fans that might be spending their last dime to get here. And once I got into that mindset, you know, I began to see things kind of get into a notch to where I said, as long as I'm on them. Hey, if my guy doesn't want to dance the way I want to dance, that's cool. How can we do this? I tell the same story and put the primary focus on them. And then after a while, it's like, all right, this guy doesn't bring me back for five shows. But yet when the crowd is starting to say something, you see you're losing money now. Right. With, with money talks. And in real life, money talks just like Black Wall Street. Yes, absolutely. Angelique, so for you, what has changed or what is changing in terms of your mid-card dreams? Cause you're kind of in the thick of it right now. So how are you dealing with those things that have kind of had to callous you and give you, you know, that thicker skin through experience and, you know, kind of a hero's journey to where you are right, right now. I just want to say he was preaching. <laughs> I mean, he is a rev, so you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's on Sunday, so it's appropriate. <laughs> I, can, I can definitely uh, relate to relate to like certain things that, you know, he, uh, he has said. Um, so, uh, so, like, pretty much what he was saying, uh, it's you learning your worst. Um, I don't have much experience of course because you know i'm still a greenhorn and i can always always improve on a lot of things you know there's times that i that i I could have trained harder than i could before um but like the the one thing because at the moment i am not active with the whole COVID and everything um um and then, like, just dealing with, like, as a female, you know, with the whole speaking out and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's a perfect time for you to reflect on certain things. Um, because I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if, like, you had this experience where, like, it's to the point that you're so frustrated and you're crying and, like, no one just <laughs> don't understand. Like, no one, Girl. Don't, no one yeah. understands and, like, like no one clearly um, just don't understand. Um, I don't want to like understand and then people are just like, you know, it is what it is. And I'm just like, you know, I, I, and this may come off as a big head and that's not like what I'm trying to do. Um, and I even had to tell this to like my dear friend, shout out to, I'm not sure if he's ever going to see this, but shout out to like CT Jones, my, my white wrestling friend, because like he would listen to like my frustration and of course he couldn't relate, but he would listen and like he would go out his way to, you know, help me, like try to get me books and shows and stuff. 
Um, but like there were just times I was just in situations where I was watching other people wrestle, and I'm just like, no offense, like I love seeing you guys wrestle. I like seeing you guys um, being supportive, but that's not what I left Legend Land one pay all this money dealing with all these uh, emotions that I'm that I had to deal with as a wrestler. That's not what I came in to be. Like I came in here to be a wrestler, and I slowly started to like know my worth and and, and being like, you know, I I can't be the best. I can't be like the the best wrestler. And it's also at the same time you you should like I do agree with keeping your mouth shut and your eyes open. That's that's not right. Keep your mouth shut and your ears open. Sorry, uh, but you definitely have to be careful what suggestions that people are throwing at you and sure. um, how people are taking or giving like criticism. Um, I remember uh, I I went to a seminar and I think it like. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. I think he's at the hospital. I think his name is Conan. Conan? Conan? Yes. Yeah. And I remember he said, um, he told me this. He was like, be careful what criticism um, that you take from certain people because a lot of people who are vets will like take advantage to try to, to build you down. Like if you have like one thing he suggested, if you have a, if you have a crappy match, a vet's going to be like your match was really shitty but this is the way that you can fix it this right. is the way that you can fix it uh so be careful um seeking validations for people that i had tried so freaking hard to get i had accepted the fact that i am just never gonna get it um i'm just never gonna get it um and to also taking time like i reached out to you um Whenever a black female wrestler is coming down to Texas, I make it my mission to go and talk to them and ask for their experience. And it's so freaking sad that we're all like experiencing the, the exact same, same the exact right. same the exact same experience. And it's just like, wow, this is really hard. Um, but just slowly like knowing my wife. I, you know, I'm trying to build my brand and and building it how I want it to be, and also accepting the fact that I might just not be a promoter's type of wrestler. And that is totally okay. Because I know, I'm very, very aware. I know that I, in a sense, am a bad bitch. I, I know that I can be the best wrestler that I can be. And I know that I can be a legend of professional yeah. wrestling. Hell it's yeah. me. I had to accept the fact that I had to agree and see myself personally that I can do it and not worry about what other people are saying because at the, at the end of the day it is a competitive sport so um so yeah I think that's it <laughs> we gonna pass that it your y'all please make sure that you put in enough we are trying to replace uh, the Black Jesus statue out front that was vandalized uh, earlier this week. Uh, we will have Sister Pearl who will be collecting that additional $10 from everyone. Uh, we will have the choir go into hymn number 382. Okay, we're not using the iPhone hymnals, everyone. We are using the original red version. 
Okay, so we're not going to be having that. Jesus didn't have an iPhone, neither should you. All right. Oh, well, okay. Don't forget about the refreshments. I saw, I saw the after service. service. Y'all, I'll see y'all after service in the fellowship hall. Yeah. What, what refreshments? Take one play yeah, at a time for yourself. White refreshments. It's going to be off the chain. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two pieces of chicken, some greens, oh, yes, and, and one piece oh, of bread. Yes, yeah. With the bowl that I call the Jesus juice. It's the fruit punch, the sprite. Sometimes oh, yes. Mixed yes. Up, yes. You know, what annual service it is. Listen, I was not allowed to have that because when she got a little sugar and little Nicole, oh, it's a wrap. Oh, it's like, a wrap. She ain't making it to second service. Okay, listen, I couldn't sit still, hopping everywhere. Okay, we in children's shirts trying to watch VeggieTales. I'm trying to build stuff. Okay, talking about I'm about to build the Tower of Babylon. Okay, can you sit down, please? Like, yeah, I couldn't have the juice. When my grandmother, and this is so off topic, y'all, but it is Sunday sessions and we in church, okay? Mm-hmm. My grandma was primitive Southern Baptist. Okay, so that was a one-room church in the woods mm. and they would set the food up in the middle of the church and service was like three and a half hours long guys i'm not even kidding you okay so i'm watching like all this food you know and like sitting there trying to sniff <laughs> you, you try, you try, you're, what you try, you're trying to vicariously eat it like right i'm trying to vicariously eat through the holy spirit <laughs> I'm hoping that it's going to, you know, it never worked out for me. But (laughs) (laughs) long way around, I think it's what you said, Angelique, is true that we all are having these experiences. And how much does that speak to the industry changing? What does that truly say? Because we can see the difference and the shift in training styles just through our conversation. But the perception of Black people, especially Black women, um, maybe some of the fetishism of our black men, you know, let's just call it what it is. Uh, they love to throw the mandingos out there. Uh, <laughs> hasn't changed. It hasn't evolved, so to speak, as much as we would have liked. And it definitely hasn't afforded our fans and the people who watch wrestling, I believe, a full picture of what is out there and what is representative of people of color and entertainment in general. You know, you have so many people dialed into different forms of entertainment right now, not only because we're all locked down with the pandemic, but because we as a collective people are kind of waking up to these different realities of us not being as divided as we thought, especially financially. You know, it's not just certain people losing out like everyone's losing right now and we're all trying to fight and survive and i've always said wrestling should be a representation of what the world really is and we we're two black women right here yeah with two very different characters with two very different personalities but sharing the exact same experience of not being seen you know it was um like one thing he said um yeah, work like my like you you gotta work five times harder. But mm-hmm. we and even seeing the women on mainstream wrestling, we are so 
easily criticized. If I'm wrestling it's not great, they criticize us about that. But if I wrestling is good, but if I my skills are not the best, they would criticize about that. If I wrestling and our mic skills, they might criticize about our looks. Like it's always right. something just to find and, and that's how it is in like entertainment business in general. And it's just to the point like Yikes, like I have people trying to change who I am. Like, well, why won't you just be this and you be that? And I'm like, well, this is who I am. And I'm open for like options, which you know, you know, maybe do this or 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 or, or do that. And there was times that, you know, I try to get more get you know more advice outside of like the training center because it, I, I was like you know, wasn't necessarily getting it there. And then, you know, I had people like Marcelo Martinez and Faye Jackson telling me, just be bigger, be bigger, be more. Um, because you have to, because I can't, you know, you know, I'm not saying who's, who, who's, who's wrong in that conversation, but when it comes to like the hair color situation and, and stuff like that, I get it. I totally get it because we have to stand out. We have to exactly like stand out. Like you can have ten different t- ten different blondes, but that's only that one spot for that black girl. We all have to fight for it. So right. if you know if if I'm wrestling and then that's a girl that comes and tries to be exactly like me, it's to the point like oh now. Not only do I have to go against the fishes plot because like we're so similar because they will only take this only that's only like that one spot. And I hate it's like, well, you know, it's that one spot, but there needs to be like there needs to be more spots for us. Like you can easily just have two black girls on the show. I'm yeah, gonna, and, and I'm, completely different. I'm gonna challenge you to not accept that. Oh, period. I'm not. I'm just not in <laughs> In the sense that there's room at the table for everybody to eat. There's a seat for every single person of color at the table because there is some child or some individual out there matching your characteristics, relating to you. You may not even see them. You may not even know them, but you have to be able to be visible for that representation to actually count. It doesn't count when you just fill that one black spot. We are past 90s TV where there's the token black friend. Mm -hmm. Because as we've seen, there's such a vast array of what it means to be a black person. None of us are monoliths, you know? The whole caricature of what it is to be black died ages ago. It's always funny to me that Black people are often stymied and pigeonholed into being a certain way, but all facets of our culture are appropriated. Oh, yeah. Ways. So interesting how that happens. That I, we, I, yeah. was just, I was just having that conversation today. Like, we don't get the chance. We're not allowed to, to be anything other. Okay, so I can't, you can't have teal hair. I can't have red hair. Ron, you can't be a rev because Black yep. people are rev. You know what I mean? Like, what do you? T- who are you to tell me who I am and what yeah. I can be? When I was always taught, you can be anything you want to be, and yeah. if I'm not mistaken, that was the American dream that you could be whoever you wanted to be. Or does that only apply to a certain sector of the population? 
Mm, interesting. It's very... Um, and that's the only thing that... That's, like, the only thing that keeps me going because it, it fucking sucks. It does not... It does not feel good. If if I can make as much of an impact, so, like, a girl... Because it's, it's not just... You, you're dealing with more, like, you know, the stuff mentally with wrestling as you're starting. Oh, yes. You're adding so much more. And it's not fun. It's There's been times that, you know... Like, don't get me wrong. I'm happy... What I'm ha- and, and I hate it when like people try to make you out to be negative, and I'd be like, no, I'm happy that everybody's getting their spot. Okay, look, but I want to be out there too. I I don't ever have to qualify. I want to be out there too. I love you yeah. guys tons, but I did not pay my training fees on time at that to you know to just stand there and watch people wrestle. I want to go out there. I want to make a name for myself, and like it really sucks. That like people, I had people look at me like all like naive and stuff. Like you really, you really think you can be like a star in wrestling? Like you can be a legend? Yeah, and, like, I absolutely believe that. I'm not sure like, where you wow, left it. Like, I can't do nothing. <laughs> I'm just supposed to be just you know aside, and, and and you know that's the only thing that keeps me going because it, it's not fun. Times that I've been crying. There's times that. You know, there's times that I don't have the energy to get to training because it's just like, what's the point? Because no one believes right. in me. It is a mental, it's not it's fu- a mental toll. It's not fun. It's, yeah. re- it's not fun. It, Ryan, it really is. Hold on. I would say real real quick, Ronnie, and, and just to uh, and, and just to encourage you. And this is a weird thing because it's, it's Sorg will tell you, he's probably off camera laughing when I say this, but I sometimes I have a weird comparison, but I'll often say that Especially with with us being black, there's a difference between uh, the the basics of artistry, and then you have your flavors. And I think a lot of times when it comes to being a black wrestler, uh, people that do not necessarily agree with you being an African American wrestler, being a black wrestler, being an indigenous wrestler, whatever your minority group is, um, they don't necessarily agree with it. So what they do is they mask. Here's how the artistry is done to then cover you up and try to change your flavor. And I compare wrestling, and it's a weird comparison, but I compare wrestling to potato chips, okay? You you have your artistry of it, okay? Potato chips are a potato. They're, they're cut very thin. They're they're roasted. They're Okay, there's an artistry to how everything is a potato chip, but right. then look at your flavors. You have your barbecue, your salt and pepper, your vinegar, your honey, your this, your that, your Doritos, your this, your that. So don't don't let people try to switch up your flavor. If, if that's you, be real to yourself. If they don't like it, guess what? As long as you stay true to yourself. And and I, I think that was one thing that, um, and, and Ryan, you know, we can talk about this when you get to your next step, but that was one thing that, that set me up to where I am now was I found myself wanting to surround myself with people that wanted to think like me. We might we might not we might not be your flavor, but we're somebody's bag of chips. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We're not the bag of chips. You know, but you know, so but it, it's it's a real don't let anyone tell you what you can't be. You know, yes, there are some things that have to be done somewhat of a certain way, but there's 50 million ways to do it. But at the same time, outside of all of that, and that's typically if it's done right, it's just to keep you safe. But outside of all of that, 
don't let anybody change the flavor and the walk of life that you want. Because just like Ronnie said, there is someone looking at you that you don't even know of that you might meet 20 years from now that says, oh, my goodness, I remember you. This is how you helped me through depression. This is how you helped me through drug addiction. This is how you helped me through that. I was never able to meet Eddie Guerrero. But whenever my good time comes, I'm never able to meet him on the other side of the on the other side of the sky. He doesn't probably even know that he encouraged me to do what I'm doing, that somehow I'm encouraging others to do what they're doing. So right. everything always comes back full circle as long as, long as you stay true to yourself. Absolutely. A hundred percent. The definitely my full circle moment was going from seeing Aja Kong and Manami Toyota on a granny VHS tape to being in a locker room with her and then being able to wrestle with her and just having this sense of you are what wanted to bring, like you brought me here. The fact that you came to Japan as Hafu, you know, half Japanese, half black, and they created a whole term to put your name so high because you're that impactful of a wrestler and a senpai there. That for me, was was so gratifying you know whether or not i do the obligatory wrestlemania point which fans <laughs> figure it out but whether or not that happens that moment for me was ingrained in my brain since i was a kid so the fact that as an adult i got to share a locker room with this woman and tell her you know you were someone who led me down this path you know you probably faced a whole lot of different things that i had to especially being in japan because that's a whole nother conversation but like being all the challenges you know climbing to the mid card trying to get international going international facing different challenges there every step was because i saw you and because i wanted to be that for someone else who looked like me who inspired me um which is why i'm so excited about our historical figure because you know, we as Black people are always having to fight for recognition and, you know, switch it up and kind of make our own avenues. And it never, you know, even crossed my mind that there have been Indigenous wrestlers that whole time. So when I came across Woody Strode, I was like, I didn't even know this was a thing because you know how wrestling will always characterize Indigenous people Yes. but they're not indigenous. Off the top of my head, uh, Chief Jake Strongbow, because he was Italian. Yep. Uh, Lone Eagle was Mexican. Yep. And uh, Little Beaver, who was like a midget guy, he was French-Canadian. So, I mean, and what are we doing? Like, so it's just so strange. Well, I'm excited, but it's so strange how all of the minority groups have been in wrestling for so long, have such a rich history. Um I don't know if you guys have caught it. The Black Lady Wrestler documentary that just came out is on Amazon Prime. So make sure, yes, it just came out. So make sure you guys check it out because it is, I'm, ooh, okay. We're not going to go there. What is this? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but I did also want to shout out these specific Indigenous wrestlers who have been around a long time and they're fully Indigenous. I'm not shouting out anybody new. So Indigenous, my Indigenous friends who are new, this isn't about y'all. Okay. But I love y'all. Okay. <laughs> um, but Chief Joseph War Eagle, who went pro at 17 years old in 1916. Uh, Nick Lassa, Chief Little Wolf, who was pro in 1932. Okay. And everyone, that was Great Depression, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh. So you're talking about <laughs> wrestle and 
and B. <laughs> Goodness <laughs> gracious. I got gray hair just, <laughs> just listening. Okay, because you know the journey as a pro wrestler is rough even in these times. So you talk about, you know, y'all ain't have money having, you know, a one potato in the water soup and calling that <laughs> soup. I don't know how. Taking pay cuts. Right, right. What was the pay cut then, brother? <laughs> yeah. Uh, who else? Ben Bolt, Mays McLean, Chief Don Eagle, Princess Tonatoma, Chief Big Heart, Princess Little Cloud, and Princess Victoria, who I actually didn't know about um, because when I started pro wrestling, some of my trainers who um, were like, oh, she's a little lady. I guess she should watch some ladies. So <laughs> they, sent me, they sent me a match with her. Um, they sent me Susan Tex Green and a couple other, you know, older ladies. So I was, I was, you know, very happy to to know of her. But Woodrow Wilson, Woolwine Strode. Okay, a lot of people probably know of him because he was an NFL player and he was an actor. So, but he had like in between his NFL playing and his acting career, he like was a pro wrestler, and so he was originally from Louisiana, um, but moved to California. And he was born in 1914. Um, so he is Black Indian. His mother, his grandmother's Black Cherokee. His grandfather was Black Muskogee. And he started wrestling at about 1941 and was active from about 1941 to 1962. But the cool thing is that he actually teamed with Bearcat Wright and Bobo Brazil. So mm -hmm. those were kind of like his road dogs while he was, was wrestling. Um, but he definitely was a, a renaissance man. He was an AFIA. He won a Golden Globe. Um, he had a really successful football and track career. He was the Pacific Coast heavyweight wrestling champion, as well as the Pacific Coast Negro heavyweight champion. I always love to throw Negro in there. <laughs> <laughs> and that was actually in the 60s. So we're still using Negro in 1962 shows how much has changed and how much hasn't if you really think about it <laughs> um but he actually ended up marrying a princess like a legit princess um she was a, one of the last descendants of the queen uh the last queen of hawaii i'm not gonna butcher this woman's name okay i'm not even gonna do that to her because i'm gonna put respect <laughs> on her name but i'm gonna need y'all to go to wikipedia and look at that Okay, for correct pronunciation. I'm not even going to do that, ma'am. Uh, aloha. Uh, <laughs> but um, he actually was a martial artist. He was a Kimpo guy. And um, fun fact, Woody of Toy Story is actually named after him. Get out of town. Listen, yes, I was, they actually I'm, took Woody. Pleasure. I was just watching Toy Story 1 through 4 last yes. week. So they took his name from... Um, from Woody Strode, and he also <laughs> on the uh, the first couple seasons of Psych. I don't know if you guys remember that show where the guy was like faking being a psychic. Um, the coroner who has the same name, so Woody, he's he is also an homage uh, to oh, Woodrow Wilson, Woolwine Strode. That's so many W's. His mom was on it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he was a really interesting guy because he did all of these things and he really had a passion for entertainment by all accounts he was like a really awesome fun like 
man about town kind of guy who had a passion for so many different things that he was just always trying to excel and be at the top. And that included pro wrestling. Um, but people may know him from Ten Commandments, uh, Spartacus, and the man who shot Liberty Balance. But his IMDb is stacked. Cause once, yeah, because once he stopped wrestling, he really, I mean, he just hit a lick with the whole acting thing and, and went full force. But the things that I really found was interesting was because he was wrestling pretty much in a time where there was still Jim Crow. So as he's traveling with Killer Kowalski, like they had to put him in the trunk. And we talked in uh, Sunday sessions too. The same thing happened to Sweet Georgia Brown. They had to sneak her in the trunk because, you know, this is still during segregation. Um, they're staying at whites only hotels. So they're sneaking him into the hotel and, you know, Kowalski's having to bring him food back to the hotel just so that they can eat and be on the road together in specific places. So this guy who was so talented and had such a, you know, amazing career and such a rich history and had done so much was still having to do these things that were like degrading, you know, to his humanity. And he still took it with grace and aplomb. And I think that was really a testament to why so many people were you know sad when when he passed because he just knew how to i guess flip the script as we've all talked about you know you find once you get to that mid card you find the groove and you realize hey i'm valuing myself and still keeping the the light and inspiration is going to work out better for me because i'm not going to be able to change everybody's mind but i can control who i am and how i look at this and i thought that was such an appropriate you know, person and historical figure for this particular conversation because his climb was so meteoric, you know, and by all accounts, he, he witnessed a big change, especially we are going through that um, racial upheaval, but it's in a different way, you know, and it, I think it puts it in perspective, especially when we think about all of the, the wrestlers of color who had to go in a trunk. I could not imagine I just rode nine hours in the car exactly. and in the trunk so I could go sit in the hotel while y'all eat and then you got to bring me food. We're not doing that. I'm about to door dash this. I don't mm -hmm. have time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got time for this. <laughs> no, that's it. Okay. My, uh, I'm 34 yeah. now. I do, I do one match and my body falls apart. Okay. I don't care. Yeah, I, can't, I can't complain about a flight ever again. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm, no, I couldn't imagine. So if people want to check more out about Woody Strode, make sure you can always look at one of his most famous matches was where he faced Gorgeous George. So I think that would be awesome for everybody to dive into. But I definitely love when I'm talking and looking into these historical figures because, Angelique, you said it, our experiences aren't that different. I'm a little bit further along in the business, but we're both Black women. Ron, your experience isn't that different you're further than me you're a man i'm a woman but we're still running into these Damn, same things the same. just like they did you know and so putting it in that context it really there has to be a shift and there has to be a change and i do think that these conversations are going to get in the ear of where it needs to because let's keep it real we as people of color are not the majority of the promoters at this time we are not the ones holding the bag so to speak at this time yep so at this time it is at this time okay so <laughs> it's important for people who are in these positions like you're talking about angelique to realize 
this is a problem that we did not create, but has been here the entire time. And it is up to those people in power who have the authority, who have the ability, I would almost say have the responsibility Mm -hmm. to open these avenues until specific avenues can be achieved in other ways. Because how else are we going to show up for everyone who looks like us? You know, how else are we going to truly get those depictions? And Angelique, you said it, we can have 15 versions of the same blonde girl and no disrespect to their level of talent and ability. What we do is hard. It takes a lot to be in this ring. It takes a lot to be on an extended schedule, you know, for these people who are in the most prominent companies, big shout outs to them. No one is taking away from that work and that what you have to do to stay there. But let's not act like the road there is the same for everyone. Let's not act like the standard is the same for everyone because you're exactly right. You know, Nia can make one mistake on camera. She can do one thing wrong. Yes. It can look like the bump is unsafe. And they will rip her to shreds. Yes. Mm -hmm. But you can have actually unsafe people who might happen to have blonde hair and be very tall do unsafe things regularly and nothing is said. And, And that distinction is not new, but also is detrimental because what it continues to reinforce is the good bad. It's painting one action more acceptable than the other if you're unsafe you're unsafe period full stop if you're gonna break someone's neck it doesn't matter if they're purple green or red their neck's gonna get broken because you'll know what's going let's but let's you know it's very interesting to see that these things are not moving as fast even though our world is shifting even though wrestling itself is shifting um to me there's a new style that's come out called athletic storytelling because there are guys who have found a way to blend that old school AWA style with that new school ricochet Osprey flippy stuff. Yes. There's a way that they tell a story with their bodies that still conveys the message. And I think that's cool and new and fun because it keeps it keeps the business going and growing and keeps it keeps, that it, it, keeps it fresh. One thing yeah. that my trainer one thing my trainer said that uh, you know, yeah, you can, you know. Just because it's new school, you don't completely forget about the old school. You can right. mix it together, like you know, not like, and and it makes it makes the show it makes the show more fun. You see a, a old school match where it's mostly just mat wrestling, and then you have guys that are just flipping all over the place. It, it keeps everything fresh, right? Yeah, I'm not one of those flippers. Okay. <laughs> But no, no, I can see you doing the 450, aiming. Ronnie. <laughs> you know what, Ronnie? You said, I can see you doing the 450. I'll bring Maybe, you I'll like the <laughs> Maybe in a dream, okay? I did consider doing a 619 one time, um, but my lower body told me to reconsider that. Uh, so you know some of the lucha stuff doesn't go so great for me i wanted to do that you know handspring off the ropes and then come down and then my lower body was like and we're gonna bring this (laughs) so you know you gotta do what you can do i'm not saying i never will but right now these ham hocks are not they're not doing that so (laughs) 
So you gotta work what you got. Right, girl. You gotta work with what you got. So view mm-hmm. from the mountaintop. We climbed, we're climbing. Some of us are still climbing. Okay. But big picture, you're at the top, looking out into the wrestling vista. Okay. What does that look like moving forward, Angelique? I'm gonna start with you. What does it look like? In your perfect wrestling world, what does that look like? The view from the mountaintop, if we're talking how the business needs to go to the future. Like the business or or like for me personally? Both, whichever one, the business or for you. Well, for you as a black woman in the business. There we go. Um, I mean, I can't really comment too much of like business wise um, because I mean, there's there's no t- telling if like you you know that saying things change but they kind of remain the same. Yeah. Um. So I can't really say too much with that, especially with me still being you know green and everything. But for me personally, me on my mountaintops, I did things my way. I think things. I did things my way. Um, I did things my way, <laughs> and I hope during that time um, I'm able to influence people to, you know, follow your lights, whatever that is, and, and and follow your dreams. If you have, if you have a vision, go for it. Work hard for it, and you know, be open to take criticism but also be careful what you take because not a lot of people have good intentions um i really hope that i can be big enough like we mentioned the whole like privilege thing one thing that i definitely noticed um is that you know me i am a friendly person but i don't have like my own thing where i can Make a connection with a vet that can hopefully, you know, try to get my name here and like my name there. Um, one thing I do notice in the um, lucha culture is that, you know, when there's new, um, when there's new newcomers um, in the Hispanic culture, like you know, in Mexico or and here, you know, they immediately make sure that they go to Mexico to like know their roots and stuff like that. So I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to inspire anyone. You know, it's not saying that I just want to inspire just Black girls, but knowing how hard it is, I hope that I can be that that, that can help Black girls and, and help them get their name out there. Because I feel like that's one thing that I, I, I feel like that's something that we need, um, especially hearing how our, our experience, like, it seemed like, you know, our fellow, you know, female wrestlers on different race, they're, they're, things are changing. They're rising, they're rising straight to the top. You know, I'm seeing girls um, that wrestle in Texas that hasn't wrestled as long as I've been in the business. And, like, congratulations to them. But, you know, they're quickly getting their names out there. And if I can make such a big impact to where, you know, I can go to, I can take these, you know, black girls or anyone for that matter, but, you know, I'm aiming for them because it's harder. They're going to have the hardest where I can take them in their car and take them to my car and travel around to try 
to get, you know, try to get their names out there. Because me as, as, um, because me as a black female, you know, it's that saying, you know, if, if you want to go to a show, you know, jump in someone's car, but I don't always have an opportunity because I can't just jump in the car with a bunch of guys. Right. Like, you know, we're speaking out, you know, like, there's just certain things that I have to question before I do it because it's right. my protection as a, a black person and a black female. You know, I'm in Texas. When I get a booking, I got to make sure that it's not someone racist, racism. Right. And um, it's a safe place that you can actually yeah, get like, there and get home safely. Right. Yeah. And there's like certain rooms I have to follow. There has been times that I have to travel by myself to shows. And that's not safe, but it's a desperation for you to gain experience. Like, I've been wrestling for four years, and I didn't feel, I started to get comfortable in the ring and get comfortable with the audience, not until, like, the beginning of last year. And then things, things were looking up, I was getting experience, and then COVID happened. <laughs> and there was times, yeah, yes. and I had to travel <laughs> myself. And I had to make these rules that, you know, I will go to the show, try to be there early to help with setup. But if I'm traveling by myself, I'm sorry, I can't help you turn on the ring. I have right. to go home. You know, so it's it's me on the mountaintop. I did things my way, and like like I always say, you either follow the light or get left behind. And if you <laughs> choose to get left behind, that's your fault. That's on so you. when I'm right. giving you this opportunity, and, and and it's not me being egotistic or anything. You know, just you know your value. Me, you know your. I know worth. You either yeah. believe me or you don't. And yeah. don't you know, when me, I get watch. to the, and then <laughs> when I get into the mountaintop, you know, don't. And, and I'm, I get to where I want to go. You know, don't post a picture of oh, well, I always believed in her. All right. No, you did not. And I, <laughs> and a lot of people do that. It's just like me. Yeah. You know, and and and. Like, definitely one thing I've learned, you know, a lot of, you, you're going to meet, like, a lot of people that you think are friends with, but you're not friends with, but those people that you can, you can trust, hold on to them as much as you can. For sure. So and make memories. So, yeah. Make memories. So, yes. Rev, for you, what is, and especially because of where you are right now, okay, yeah. uh, Boss Hoss and uh, Ring yeah, of Honor. Okay. it happen somehow. Okay. <laughs> No one ever killed us off the grid yet. You know, look, you do it, you're doing it. Okay. Oh, so we blessed, man. We blessed. You know, with that, not of course, you're not at the, the summit. There's yeah. always there's always further to climb. Yes. But where you are, what does it look like for you? What would you say the view from the mountaintop moving forward, especially as it relates to you as a black man and for us as black wrestlers, what can we do and what do you see we can do? Yeah, well, I, I say one of the one of the biggest things is don't get caught up in uh, the, the perceived glamour. I think grass always looks yes. uh, on the other side. And I think one of the things that I value to myself, even prior to wrestling, you know, no matter what I was able to do, I always wanted to be able to stay true to myself at the highest ability possible. And, and you know, with, you know, with me you know, being brought up in church, one of the scriptures says, you know, what profit a man to gain the whole world? If he's gonna lose a soul, sell my soul for the for the for the money, for the glamour, for the this, for the that. But how can I be the most successful I can? And if I can be the wealthiest I can, but at the same time stay true to myself to let my brothers and sisters know if I could do it, you can do it. 
And, and you know, just like Angelique said, you know, there will be times that that even at certain levels where you're like, hey, I don't know how this is going to happen. And, and and I will tell you, you know, I still to to be where I'm at now, I still had to work ten times. 15 times is harder. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, be told no and be comfortable with that, but saying, okay, no is just an abbreviation for not right now. And, and so, you know, how can I go, go, go and stay in front of them? And, and I, I think even now, you know, even outside of black history, but always looking at our culture and, and, you know, I'll put this on and I'm, I'm all over like TikTok and social media, but I'll put this on TikTok. I shared a girl's video that was, uh, uh, giving a remembrance to black history and, and slavery and, and overcoming. And I said, you know, stay strong, my kings and queens. You know, overcoming is in our DNA. And when you look at, you know, when you look at people like a Rosa Parks, like a Martin Luther King, like, you know, like a Harriet Tubman, like a uh, Sojourner Truth, you know, when you look at all these people that said, okay, all right, you might get me at this level, but if I go underground and I do this, you know, I'm still going to be able to make a way out of no way. And, you know, even, I think even when you look at, and this is a cool thing that I didn't know until I had braids and way, way back in my career, people call me Baby J Lethal because I had cornrows. And I was like, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> <laughs> they call me Baby, they're like, Baby J, Baby J. And I'm like, come on, man. So then I, I cut it off after a while. But, you know, even looking at, you know, and, and this, this was something I found out probably about four and a half, five years ago, during Black History Month, that the cornrows, uh, were actually made during slavery time to be a map that they were putting the people's for slave routes. Yeah, yeah. So you can Six get so, so overcoming and finessing, dripping and finesse is dripping it, and finesse. Dripping mm-hmm. and finesse is yes. It, hey, Bruno Mars, I love you, bro. But but we got it even further than you, man. It's in our DNA to do stuff like that. So you know, I, I took I took pride. And knowing that overcoming and making a a impossibility possible is part of us, and and, and that and that went hand in hand, you know, around that time. But that was my next level of getting past that middle ring and, and getting there. So right now, I would say, you know, just being able to stay true to myself and being at the highest possibility, while at the same time not losing who I am and what my culture is. And and so so I I think I think that right now I'm actually there, but you're not you know you're never satisfied. You're always looking to grow. And right. one of the cool things that I, I will tell you is, um, and you know Grant and I got you know friend, as you know you do, Ronnie. We have friends all over the place at different levels. And you know I I had to mature in a business because a certain company that I allowed to dictate my worth. Um, because I would see who they would call, just like you were saying, Angelique, even at a higher stage, and who they would call based on what I knew I was capable of doing and knowing these people don't even know how to spell the the full name of this three-letter company, but at the same time, they're there and they're with a contract. And so once I began to realize just like, you know, what my true worth was, uh, I began to say, okay, how can I stay true to myself and do this? And then I rearranged my focus and I put my focus on that. And one of, one of the greatest things, and I, I'll, I'll show you guys this real quick because I always, I, uh, just like I do in like the shoot world, I have a dream, I have a dreams list and a goals list. And the biggest thing that I can tell people is write it out or if it's a picture, print it out. And one of the main things was in 1998, Eddie Guerrero was one that made me go from a fan to saying, how the heck can I do this? It was after uh, WCW Bash at the Beach. 2005, 
I went to my first ever live pro wrestling show, Orlando, Florida. It was a TNA show, and they saw the six-sided ring. This is that. Let me see if I can get it. This little, uh, this little is that you? cap with his hand extended out. I forgot what female wrestler is, but that is actually me, front ramp. Is that ODB? I, I, I believe. I'm, no, no, no. So, so it wasn't ODB. I forgot who it was. But I think. Oh, so. uh, I can't Demi. see the picture. I can see the little hand reaching though. Yes, I will say it. So, so this, so this little, this little red hot tamale looking guy with his arm <laughs> out. That's that's actually me on uh, on ramp side. So yeah. that gave me the further Jones, and this was actually a guy that a lot of us have seen before back in that time, two thousand five. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, he was in TNA. Um, the- I know that forehead anywhere. <laughs> no offense, Jay. that's another reason why I cut the braids off. I didn't want to be a Nelly J. Lethal in the ring. But you know, the the coolest the coolest thing that I could say is, um, I believe it was it was Final Battle 28, 2019, um, was the biggest pay per view that you know I, I was uh, you know they they pulled the plug and and we were doing the TV tapings and everything what we were doing with Shane Taylor Promotions. Uh, and then, all right, cool. And they pulled the plug for Final Battle. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is like their biggest show. The two people that I met that was there hours before just chilling was Jay Lethal's parents. And and, and I already shared the story with Jay well before I was signed, when I, when I was at my first trial and met him. And I was legit in tears when I was talking to him, just talking to him just about, uh, you know, the perception, the relatability, you know, you're, you know, you know, being that person is everything, just like we see our vice president right now. And I told his parents, I said, hey, you guys don't know me, but I know you. I just want to tell you guys, thank you. And I told him my whole story, just, just briefly what I did there, but in longer. And uh, and I, I sat with them and I just talked to them about life and listened to them about life because they're older than me. And, and, and you know, I wanted to hear their perspective. And yeah. I, that was the biggest full circle for me, and one thing that they said that I was looking at, they said, well, you know, whatever you decide to do, always stay true to yourself. And I think that was validation to myself that money won't buy you happiness. The success, the blue check mark won't buy you happiness. Because if you're not staying true to yourself, once that light clicks out and you have to deal with yourself that you can't get rid of, that you can't lock out your house, you know, you're stuck with that person. And so, so I, I think, you know, as long as, you know, whoever you are and, and, and Angelique and, and Ronnie, you know, you're already like this. Everybody knows, you know, you shine, girl. You know, as long as you continue to stay true to yourself, everything else will fall in place. Forget what everybody else says. You stay true to yourself. Everything is going to work itself out. Everything's going to work itself out. I knew and there's I always <laughs> That's that. That's that anchor skill right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a TV right there. That's that TV that, right that, there. It's, it's so. It's so. It's so true. It's so true. And and I. I, I think. And, and I'll just say this briefly. But I, I think you know all of our struggles. And you know we talked about it from the beginning. And and Ronnie, I listened to the, to the other segments of Sunday session. And you know I think everyone's story always comes back around to um, one of the biggest things that I say is no. You cannot have a testimony without first having a test. Have a test. Spell the word without first spelling the four words T E S T. So, so I think you know, take take pride, take courage, and all the things that used to break you because you're alive right now. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And the person that you're looking at in 2021 
If you put them in what you thought was your worst problem in 2018, you'd be like, why did I think that I, that it couldn't get worse? Right. Yeah. You know what I'm it's silly thinking about it now, but right then we're like, this is crazy. But when yeah. you're now you're much stronger than what you were one, two, three, four years down. So keep on going. You know, the road's not done for you. So keep climbing. Keep climbing. <laughs> I don't know if it's the brass ring, whatever it is, but keep, keep climbing. Going. Keep going, keep climbing. Guys, thank you so much for coming and having these conversations with me. I know that definitely in a time where we're filled with a lot of noise, that the right noise is going to cut through. Thank you for sharing your experiences with me. Make sure you guys who are watching Sunday Sessions, follow them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and I think, Ron, you've got TikTok as well. Yes. I got the good old TikTok, the red yes. one, I do so, all the funny, silly stuff. That you'll be like, why the heck is he doing it? <laughs> well, make sure you follow the Rev Ron Hunt on all of his socials at the Rev Ron Hunt. Make sure you follow the Mother of Light at Goddess A Winter P altogether. Um, make sure you guys have subscribed to IndieWrestling.us as well as my YouTube channel, where and big shout out to Michael Sorg and Sorgatron Media for facilitating these wonderful conversations. These conversations are not meant to be a pointing the finger or to make anyone feel bad, but we do have to have these controversial conversations so that we can heal and move forward as a collective people. We can't ever move forward if we don't address our past. And I hope that everyone is taking from these conversations everyone's experience and kind of unfolding that into your own lives and understanding so that as we move forward into the unpredictable years to come, we can always move forward with a positive, well-rounded view of each other as humans, as performers, as entertainers, as fans, and we can all enjoy what we love, which is wrestling. I am Ronnie Big Bang Nicole. Make sure you are following me on all of my socials at Glitterlicious on Twitter and Facebook. Make sure you follow at Glitterlicious Bang Bang on Instagram and Ronnie Nicole on Likey. I love you guys. Thank you so much for joining Sunday Sessions. Next session is live. So February 28th, you guys make sure you're following all those pages because we're going live. And the big reveal is we will be discussing a whole lot of controversial topics with someone that the Rev knows very well, the CEO of Shane Taylor Promotions, Mr. Shane Taylor himself, as well as another Ring of Honor uh, mainstay from way back when, Mr. Rob Perfonte. So we're going to have a full Ring of Honor house for our live show. Please make sure you've got that, hit that notification bell so when we go live, you guys can catch all of that. I'm really excited. It's actually going to be Facebook Live on my page, but the recording will go up on YouTube later, guys. So please, please make sure you are dialed in so you don't miss out. Thank you so much for joining us for Sunday Sessions. I'm Ronnie Nicole. Peace, love, and wrestling.